are live. Hello and welcome to another episode of Not D&D. Uh, my name is Jessica, the host, and please leave relevant clapping emojis and say hello and welcome our guest, John Harper. Hi, John. Thanks for coming along. Hi, thanks for having me. No worries. Um, so for those of the people here that don't know who you are, could you give us a little intro into who you are and, and what you do in RPG? Yeah, I'm a game designer and uh, graphic artist. So I do a lot of game design writing as well as illustration and book layout and cover design, that type of stuff for my own games and for other for other games. Um, and I've been doing that full time for, oh, geez, um, more than about seven, eight years now, I think, uh, when I switched over. So, yeah, I, I, guess I'm, I guess I'm a pro. <laughs> Prof- a professional gamer, as officially. it were. Officially. Yeah, excellent. Well, well, we'll get into and talk about kind of that that journey and how you got into RPGs. Um, so hello to everybody saying hello as well. So we've got lots of people here in the chat already, which is great. Um, so we're really excited to have your questions. So if you have any questions at any point throughout the show, just jump in and ask. We'll pop them up on the screen. Um, you folks know how it goes now because you've been watching a few times. See some regulars here now. Um, but jumping back into it. So, John. Um, RPGs. When did you start playing RPGs? What was your first one? How did you start this whole career that you're in now? <laughs> um, my first one was in 1984. Uh, Gamma World was the first RPG I played. Um, I think it was the second edition. Uh, oh, I don't know I... that one. What's it, It's a post-apocalyptic uh, type game. Um, very zany, nice. um, talking mm-hmm. animals and um, really over-the-top mutated giant creatures and uh magic and all kinds of stuff um that sounds very fun <laughs> it was it's yeah it's really they've come out with subsequent editions through the years that's it's always been fun to play but um i had heard of D. my cousins old, my older cousins had had played it and talked about it and i'd seen mm-hmm. their books and i was really into fantasy m- novels and and drawing dragons and things so i i really wanted to play D, but my friend jt had had this gamma world set and uh yeah it was just instant instant love you know we played that afternoon and i went and photocopied a bunch of stuff out of his book and uh <laughs> poured over all the pages and then took them to my other group of friends and said oh you have to try this hobby thing it's role playing and we ended up playing for years and years after that Amazing. i basically never stopped you know? so did you become the dm of, of your new group or were you a player yeah uh, i was the the perpetual dm as as, <laughs> as many designers are i think um mm-hmm. and the evangelist too that that it was still you know fairly new um as a hobby and we were sort of the second generation i guess uh so um not everyone even knew what it was uh and yeah i was i was lucky enough that i had this very diverse group of friends across kind of different kind of social strata and clicks and stuff at the schools. There was the jock and the nerds and the, the, you know, everybody like that. And um, I had a friend group that kind of contained a bunch of different types and um, it wasn't yeah. automatically like nerdy and weird to play RPGs in our, in our little group, which is strange. Uh, but yeah, most pretty, people don't have that experience. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was good to, uh, it, it helped evangelize uh, gaming and make it, popular at least in that little circle um and that spread into other to other people around uh in our school and stuff and our one of, one of my my civics teacher owned our uh, our local uh comic book and rpg store that was close to the school oh, wow. so he he ran call of cthulhu for us and um so it was it was this very normal kind of activity yeah. uh in at the time um so yeah. you've been you've been spreading word about the hobby for a long time then. So <laughs> and we're going to get into it in your career because that's what it's a lot about. And also the topic yeah. we're going to have today is about welcoming uh, new people into the hobby. So I think a lot of the people um, that come along, as this person here said, that Gamma World is so underrated. So mm. we have another fan of that here. Nice. Um, I think a lot of people here are obviously fans of tabletop RPGs. That's why they're here. Uh, but it's always really good to welcome new people to it because we're always so keen to evangelize and tell people about it. I love your story there about the high school, though, because it, it feels as if you can't tell I'm British by my accent. <laughs> it sounds like this the US stereotype there of like, oh, there's the jocks and the nerds and the stuff like that. And everyone's all playing RPGs together. That's really cool to have that, because like you say, I think a lot of people sometimes are, it's seen as like all oh, this weird kind of niche kind of topic and things like that. And especially way back when but I think it's getting better now I think when you see different people playing I think being a geek is cool which is nice so. yeah I agree I agree I think it, it seems better now anyway um 
you know, being, being a, a young person is always hard just fitting in and everything. Yes. But it does seem like that kind of stigma around nerdy stuff is maybe mostly gone, if not all the way gone. Hopefully, hopefully we're having a moment in the sun. We were told, <laughs> yeah. we, we, were told we would inherit the earth, so hopefully now <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> okay, so um, you're playing RPGs when you were really young. Um, and then how did that transition into you working in the games industry? So what was what was that journey? Uh, I started out as as uh, hacking and, and house ruling design stuff. Um, I, I immediately started doing that as soon as I started running games. Uh, oh, wow. It just yeah. seemed natural to me. I loved making art and, and designing books and that sort of stuff. And so I started doing it right away, just sort of, oh, what if I hack this from Marvel superheroes and Ghostbusters RPG and whatever, and we'll put this stuff together and make our own version of stuff. And um, the people I played with were very game- uh, for that, they didn't really mind yeah. that it was my clunky little homebrew thing. They were just into yeah. into playing. So, I got into the habit of of making games like right Im immediately when I started, um, <clears throat> and that lasted up through th through college, past college, um, mm -hmm. and into my career. I was a graphic designer for for a long time, and, okay, yeah, um, as my day job. And so, I that afforded me the luxury of being able to to make game stuff on the side just without turning it into a business right away or anything like that yeah um, I th that's how a lot of people start i think because taking mm -hmm. a leap into it is kind of maybe poorly advised is yeah. to have like a, a side hustle and then it kind of grows into this thing so what it was, was your tough first at the beginning now? because for i sort of had two phases to that because we my partner mm -hmm. and i john uh, elliott back in the day we <clears throat> got the license for this old game called talislanta mm -hmm. and um started producing it uh, and formed a little company on the side to, to publish under um, in the late nineties. And that was before PDF sales were really a thing or uh, their digital commerce wasn't much of a thing. So we had to do this traditional, like print a bunch of books and um, take them to conventions and a big stacks and try to sell them to people face to face and yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, and it was, as a side job, it quickly became like full-time work for both of us. Yeah, and I can imagine. Um, so we, we dabbled in that uh, towards the end of the nineties and, and both of us decided like, we don't want to do this professionally. <laughs> Let's just keep it up. <laughs> uh, so, this is terrible. Let's yeah. never do this ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of shut that down, but I kept designing and kept, kept making games. And then it became yeah. much easier. Uh, some pioneers in that space, Jared Sorensen and others, started yeah. um, making their games available through the web and, and mm -hmm. um, PDFs came along and uh, you could make them look nice, which I cared about a lot. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, it just crept back up on me after, after years of being not like in it as a business. I, mm -hmm. I had created this catalog of games and had a way to distribute them and a way to sort of build a, a fan base. And um, it tipped back over again at, at that point, seven, seven, eight years ago, where I thought, well, wait, wait a minute, I can go back to this. I can do this full time now. <laughs> it's viable. Uh, it's kind of justifying itself as a as a new career. So, okay. So, so is it is it just that there was just the market online and everything had gained traction just slowly over time? Was the there wasn't like a big <laughs> aha moment or anything that? Um, there was, I guess, for me, like I I had a decent sized audience in the in the one of the circles of the sort of indie RPG scene, mm -hmm. um, people that were excited to play when I came up with something new, they were wanting to play it. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought, okay, you know, this, that, that's a place to, to maybe have a marketplace to sell stuff and, and maybe take, treat this like a, a, a job. Um, but I didn't expect that it, it, that size of that market kind of grew quite a bit. And then um, I did a Kickstarter for my game blades in the dark and it was a much bigger Kickstarter outcome than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and yeah. that kind of, that was the moment when I thought, whoa, hang on, uh, this, there's a lot more people here that are excited about this stuff than I thought there were. Um, so again, it was sort of like not less having a plan to make that transition and more seeing that it was possible, kind of seeing the, um, seeing the space there and being sort of pulled in to it. Like you said, it's, it's so tricky to, to take a leap of faith there and just hope yeah. it works out. Uh, so it was sort of the opposite for me. It kind of like, yeah, got going well, and that made me decide to to, to switch rather than just. Hoping. I mean, yeah, it seems like the smart way to do it, to be honest. <laughs> um, so seeing people there playing and stuff. So lots games conventions is something you're big. You you go to conventions and you run a, a event as well. 
Is it the Go Play Northwest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm one of the founders there. I, I, I'm no longer part of the team that puts it on. Uh, that's done by other hardworking people. But um, right. yeah, we we started that a long time ago. I don't even remember how many we've done now, 12, 13 or something. Oh, um, wow. wow. Uh, yeah, uh, it started out as a small little convention and mm -hmm. um, it's grown into a fair, fairly sized like regional regional convention. Um, yeah, I've not been had it I'm recently, not yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's been stuff going on, you know, yeah. plagues, wars. Yeah, let's see what happens next. Uh, <laughs> it's really no. cool though. It's um, yeah. it's a, a get play focused convention. Uh, we don't oh, really have yeah. like a dealer hall or or uh, that kind of thing. It's all uh, oriented around everyone showing up and pairing off into um, tables and 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 running games and it's it's pretty much session after session after session all weekend long it's a marathon sprint uh, of gaming that um, is is really exhilarating and fun but very very demanding too um, yeah I but yeah that's great great group of people there that are still still mm -hmm. doing it um, and hopefully in the next year or two three whenever <laughs> um, that'll be back in person again uh, here in Seattle. Fingers crossed. I love uh, conventions where you sit down to play. That was where I found all the indie games. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people go because you just need someone else to generally say, I'm trying this, come and do this. Otherwise, it's so easy to get stuck in just playing the big popular games. But conventions yep. is where you find. And that's where I first uh, played Lasers and Feelings as well, actually, which we're going to talk about later was at conventions. Yeah, cool. um, so, yeah, and I actually loved it as well. Um, and also other games that we have as well is uh, Lady Blackbird as well um so i haven't played it yet because i have a group that i want to play it with and there's been a plague uh but a group of my friends played it and they said this is the best role-playing experience of my life that game was <laughs> um and they're not the only person that thinks this because kevin in the comments says uh lady Black's arguably one of the best one shots ever written and a great way to introduce people to the hobby so uh why did you choose to release it kind of for free instead of charging for it mm. uh well thank you kevin that's very kind of you um yeah, it's uh, it was during that period when I I still had my day job and um, was making uh, RPG stuff as a hobbyist. Um, and Lady Blackbird in particular was made um, while I was at my job, being paid by them. Uh, so okay, so you... <laughs> I was on the clock for one thing, yeah. but uh, but but I made it uh, originally for that for a game that that night. Um, I had a friend uh, in the game group that was bringing some people from his work to mm -hmm. role-playing. They, had, they hadn't played a role-playing game before. Um, yeah. And so I asked them kind of, you know, what they what are they into and what kind of uh, fiction and, and movies and stuff they like. And I didn't have anything on my shelf that was immediately kind of clicking with what they were into. So yeah. I threw that, that the initial like rough version together for that game night, um, made some character sheets and stuff, and then we played it. Uh, and it, it clicked really well and people had fun with it. So I thought, oh, I'll s slap some art in this and, you know, make it look a little nicer. And I had already kind of done the work. Um, it's, it's just you know, like GM prep uh, for the, for that session, yeah. um, making pre-gens and, and that kind of thing. So um, I just wanted to see like kind of if that format for a product was it was a viable thing. Is that something people mm -hmm. are interested in kind of this sort of packaged one shot with all the characters and the situation and stuff. And um, so I threw it out there to see the response and it, it got a great, great reaction. Um, yeah. People love to play it, but then it, it spawned, I don't know, dozens of these like Lady Blackbird hacks uh, with people taking the system and the idea of this sort of contained one shot. And um, they made mm -hmm. Wild West ones and other sci-fi things and um, deep sea divers. And there's just tons of different um, hacks on it. So yeah, it was, it was an experiment that that panned out, and I always have this thought in the back of my mind of going back to Lady Blackbird and maybe doing something new with it. Um, but uh, answering you know. Kevin's question right there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kevin, uh, I, I I've thought about it, yeah, and I've got some revisions to the system too that that I might want to implement. But um, you know, in my mind, I, I always pictured the cool Lady Blackbird sort of box set with the little owl. Uh, figure of the ship that you could move around a map and um, have these kind of like nice components for it and stuff. But uh, nice. we'll see. It's I don't like know. Production value minis yeah. going on, like some serious stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That maybe, sounds maybe good. Someday. Well, I think Kevin will buy it. So you have at least one customer there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, so we talked a little bit about Lady Blackbird, which I, I had to touch upon. Um, but also, I think a lot of people know you really well for Blades in the Dark as well. 
because that um, was an Origins Game Award nomination, love popular game that loads of people really love. Um, tell us about Blades in the Dark a little bit. So if people haven't heard of that game, what's Blades in the Dark? Uh, Blades in the Dark is a uh, adventure game about a crew of scoundrels in a, a haunted industrial city. Um, mm -hmm. You and your your fellow crewmates make a, a crew together. Your smugglers, or your uh, cult, or your assassins, or, or thieves, or whatever whatever you do. Um, and you start out kind of at the bottom of the underworld in this this haunted city, and uh, try to work your way up through the criminal underworld and gain mm -hmm. turf and allies and um, control over different factions. And so it's sort of a sandbox city game um, with uh, these punctuated. Um, heists uh which are called scores in the game you do you do a score then you have downtime recover nice. do your next score um designed around kind of a fast uh play approach uh to mm -hmm. to that kind of fiction so there's no no sitting around planning for hours and arguing about how you're going to get into a place and should we go here should we go there and all that oh, all that good. stuff that yeah. bogs down uh heisty type games um, yeah Blades was designed specifically to cut that stuff out and um, get that to the sounds, action. That sounds great because that is like cause some friends of mine play Spycraft, and mm. I love the stories and the heists that come out, but they yeah. spend hours planning stuff. And I was like, I can't be doing that. I just get distracted. <laughs> like, yeah. I just want to. I want to go in and do something cool. Let's do a thing. Let's not spend hours planning and going through maps. So, yeah, awesome. I, I also enjoyed Spycraft, and and mm -hmm. I can enjoy a good planning session too. But for mm -hmm. for people who don't, I felt like that there, there was room in the market to make something for for those people who didn't want to sit around forever and plan. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was designed specifically for that. And then. Um, it, it grew out of a D and D campaign that I ran at the office. Um, okay. And it culminated in the players. It's a long story. The short version is they sort of destroyed the world. Uh, the setting. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. They, That's like the worst outcome. <laughs> they unleashed this, this terrible cataclysm. And uh, uh, so I asked them like, do you want to play during the cataclysm now and have this kind of survival horror kind of game? Mm -hmm. um, or do you want to jump ahead a thousand years and we'll see what the world is like in the future and we'll you'll play something in that post cataclysmic you know space uh, and they said yeah let's go thousand years in the future that sounds fun we can have uh, you know locomotives and and electricity and stuff that'll be cool yeah uh, so I wrote That's up that yeah. setting and we started playing it and that group mutated into a different group uh, who ended up playing uh, that that early playtest version of Blades for like a couple of years and it uh, almost weekly sessions and we would just play and I would iterate and come back with the new character sheets uh, yeah. next week and play and play. Um, and by the time after those, those years of playing, it, it became clear that it was really clicking and um, the, the combination of the, the system, which people were enjoying and the sort of premise and hook of the setting and stuff uh, seemed appealing to people too. So, that was that was the first Kickstarter that I that I did and um, uh, felt like it you know it had um, traction. Um, and, yeah, uh, definitely. And it has a specific dice for it as well. Somebody's commenting they got their blades dice yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Norse Foundry just came out with uh, these cool uh, blades. That, oh, they're not quite within reach here. Um, oh no. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, oh wait, this one is. Um, here yeah. we go. Yeah, sure. Use some shilling for Norse Foundry. Uh, I don't know if you can see them there, but they, they're like... Yeah, I'll uh, watch the camera. I mean, we all have thousands of dice, but we all buy more. That's that's the they're, hobby. They're metal, uh, yeah. metal metal cubes, and they have two like orange fiery blades of the, the logo on the six face there. Um, yeah, Norse Foundry did a great job with those. Uh, they're they they're really cool. They do look super cool. I am a sucker for buying more dice than I um, need. Because in theory, I'll, you only need one set of dice, but, you know, buy all of the dice. Someone in chat also made me, uh, made me this bespoke little dice box uh, oh, with the, wow. the blades logo on it so thank you very much uh, for that um yeah uh so yeah the the dice are, are a brand new thing and it's it's really been a process since the kickstarter of uh just gaining momentum for that game it started out strong and the community has grown and grown and um it's it, it's just now kind of getting into its like second 
uh, mm -hmm. phase of people learning about it. So uh, that's always fun to have that new crop of people that are hear about it. So they hear it on a podcast or see it on an actual play show or something. Just like this, um, for just example. Just like this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have some more questions uh, about Blaze in the Dark. We'll jump get on to Lazy in the Feelings, but we have this big question. It's covering half our faces on the screen. Um, so uh, uh, Needcat Games was saying that Feel that Blaze in the Dark draws some inspiration from the third edition of Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. And I wonder if that's true in any way. Is there any influence there? Um, uh, no, I did. I I have played a session of third edition, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. um, I ran a very long and involved second edition Warhammers uh, series that um, was a, a city sandbox game about the characters in the criminal underworld so that definitely uh helped me like learn some D gm techniques and some stuff for blades and i and i love the War warhammer second edition system anyway third edition i think is the one that had the the custom dice and like the um uh i forget how I'm depending like, on we, your knowledge now because i i, I think played that's my when they came out with the up campaign the other week so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, I think I, I could be wrong, but I think third edition is the similar to the current Star Wars RPG that has the custom dice where mm -hmm. you get mixed successes in your in your pool and stuff. But well, second edition Warhammer was what we played, which is the uh, percentile okay. dice system with the brutally low uh, character ability uh, scores and stuff that can barely succeed at their tasks. And it's it's uh, kind of a a grind, uh, more of a more of a grindy type game, which was we loved it. It's it's really fun, um, and it does have I think the part of the question had to do with. Uh, uh, group classes, um, which second edition I don't believe did. Yes. But, um, uh, yes. And, yeah. So the progress tracker feels like um, the group classes thing. Now they were saying, yeah. Yeah. I, I. I. The progress tracker. I think that is just in third edition. I. I'm pretty sure that wasn't in the second one that we played. But um, well, the good I, thing I, is, I got those from yeah. uh, from Vincent Baker uh, and, and Apocalypse World. Um, the idea of clocks. It's a thing in Blades that that people often sort of grab and, and use in other games, just a way of, of tracking progress on a, on a task or tracking the alert level of guards rather than just saying, Oh, you fail your stealth check. They, they catch you. You say, ah, you failed your stealth check. Now they're slightly that someone says, Oh, did you hear something? And you tick uh, progress on the alert and eventually the guards will, will find you. So you have this sort of t ratcheting tension. Um, and those are, uh, I, I saw them first in Apocalypse World, um, but they've been in Fate and then a bunch of other games before Warhammer Third Edition, apparently too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I try to play. For a while, I was trying to kind of play everything, <laughs> keep this database yeah. of games that I play at least one session um, to kind of get those things in my head and and feel out mechanics and and have a broader kind of um, experience as a designer. I think that's really good to play yeah. as much as you possibly can um definitely i think knowing what's out there helps inform your games and, and know what's going on and also yeah. playing games is fun as well yeah, as that the... <laughs> um so we have a question as well about uh the play testing was the faction game really important in those initial playthroughs or was it something that was added later yeah it it definitely was important um the the factions all the factions in the blades book um minus the ones that we cut for space um, came out of that game, that, that long running playtest group game um, in order to flesh out different aspects of what we were doing. Cause usually in play, you might only deal with three, four or five factions, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but as we played more and started new crews over again, and they had different interests, we started to flesh out the city more and say, Oh, well, we, we want more interesting space here around mm -hmm. the you know city politics, for instance, or we want, more stuff to do with the weird occult stuff when you need to add more factions there. Um, so over time they, they got all fleshed out and yeah, they, they all came straight from play and um, yeah, very, they were very important. I, I, I think for any kind of sandboxy type game, it's good to have that. Um, I kind of think of it like an elastic sort of web where okay. any, anything you do, if you push or pull, you're you're dragging someone else or pushing someone else in that in that matrix. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to necessarily, as a GM, like try to plan a bunch of stuff uh, mm. or adventures or missions or whatever. As soon as the players do something, their ally benefits, and that ally's enemy is hurt, and now they're your enemy. And 
you just get that cascading of, of consequences. Um, and that can drive session after session after session. Um, yeah. It's just so. a reactive world opposed to a specific railroad then, isn't it really? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, exactly. Great. So there you go. I hope that, I think that thoroughly answers your question, Dino Bob. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to move us on um, to a different topic, though, um, just because um, we have some other games that you've designed as well. Um, and the thing we're here to talk about today um, is uh, Lasers and Feelings, which I've put on the screen. There uh, it is. The entire there game. it is. In, in, in its entirety. Uh, and this is why I wanted to... Um, have you on to talk about this because a lot of your games I think you describe them as being kind of you don't need to do a lot of studying you can kind of just get straight into it and start role playing and and this 100% feels that because it's literally one piece of paper it's it's and it and it's not intimidating and, and scary as well because um I think because of your graphic design background the layout of it looks really great and also really welcoming like there's little hearts and spaceships <laughs> on there it's not scary <laughs> <laughs> um so this for me is when people are thinking about trying rpgs and they're like i'm thinking about playing DD, but i don't want to buy all the books and i don't want to have to study uh, and i'm like just just play lasers and feelings it's, it's one page um and also it's great for somebody that wants to try gming a game first i think as well um but anyway that's me saying how much I love the game, which is why I got you on here. Um, but yeah, tell us a bit about lasers and feelings. So, in in, in your words and in, in your summary, how would how would you describe that? What would the elevator pitch be? Uh, I'd say it's uh, goofy Star Trek. Uh, is nice. probably the shortest way to to put it. Maybe. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you're the the crew of a ship whose captain is incapacitated. Uh, so uh, you you're left to sort of fend for yourselves without a clear leader. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the GM rolls some dice on these tables to find out what the problem of the week is, and the crew has to spring into action and and save the day or or not. Um, and uh, yeah, it's meant as a pretty light, fast one shot kind of kind of game. Um, it is again something that I designed while I was supposed to be working at my old job. Um, <laughs> you you need to stop saying this. <laughs> this is recorded. Like people are yeah, going to they, see. They're going to know. You're going to get an invoice. It's too late. It's too late. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, my friends, uh, the Double Clicks, they're, they're a band, um, and they had just released this new album, um, and they were going to be at PAX uh, uh, that year in, in Seattle, and um, I knew they were going to be selling their, their album there, and they had gotten these custom uh, D6s made just for fun with little dinosaurs on them. To having to do with one of their their songs on the album mm -hmm. um and this was one of the songs lasers and feelings was a track on that album uh, and i've been listening to it and i thought oh it'll be that'd be cute if i could just put something together real quick and i was uh, as before i was going over to the to the hall at pax um mm -hmm. so that day at, at the office i i put this together and uh just to give the double clicks like to have at their booth um so they could you know, sell their dice and be like, Hey, do you want a game <laughs> with your gift? Give away a game with the dice, uh, on the, at the booth. So yeah, I just threw it together. My buddy Ryan, um, uh, helped me fill out the, the, uh, creating a space adventure table with a mm -hmm. couple of interesting, um, couple of interesting phrases. And, uh, we printed yeah. a stack of them, uh, on the office printer and <laughs> um, <laughs> took them took him over to PAX and uh, that's that's how it all got started. Amazing. And that answers uh, Skellington Steph's question there of how you got the name for it uh, in a nutshell really there. So it's inspiration by Double Clicks pretty much. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So it's a really simple game to run because uh, mechanically you can see the character creation is is literally just, just four things. So. Yeah, it's very straightforward. Um, mm -hmm. I stole a mechanic from a game called Troll Babe, uh, which is a really cool RPG. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, one of its central ideas, um, and a game called 316 also uses a similar system. Um, your character just has one one number uh, for their mm -hmm. stat um, between two and five in this in this case, and you roll over the number to do uh, feelings type um, actions. Um, and you roll under your number uh, to do lasers type actions. So if you have a high number, you're more logical and, and technical. Um, if you have a low number, or maybe more passionate and more driven or, or, or uh, willful, um, 
And that's all you need. You just need your number for your character and then a couple of words to describe their kind of training or background and, and where mm -hmm. they come from. And um, then everything else is sort of done in the moment. Uh, yeah. So you don't, you don't need to learn a bunch of rules ahead of time. Um, and it helps, I think, uh, especially with new players, uh, helps keep their focus on the fiction that's happening. They don't have to keep looking at their sheet and wondering like, which, how do I do this? Yeah. Well? What am I allowed to do? You know, yes. um, it's more like um, open-ended and, and it, it encourages a kind of loose uh, feel for everything. There's no set setting exactly. There's no set story. Um, you, you're free to, to just let it develop and be whatever it needs to be. Um, and so I think that also has helped with uh, appealing to, to new gamers a little bit too, is that that mm -hmm. sense that you're not um, doing it wrong, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big fear as well that people have and the intimidation of not knowing the rules and things like this, but knowing it's just all here and you could really study the whole thing if you wanted, but it's not going to take you very long. You're going to know all of the rules. Mm -hmm. uh, and also for the adventure, you've got the table that you mentioned earlier before, which has loads of, of fun things like Zorgon the Conqueror on there as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Cyber Zombies. And uh, Where did you... So, so you just sat and brainstormed these one afternoon in the office for what the threat was going to be. And Yeah, yeah, we just kind Zorgon of... The Conqueror. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it did. It did. Uh, Amazing. So yeah, well, Zork on the Conqueror. That was great. Did okay. Yeah, I'm just trying <laughs> to think of the inspiration for that. It's exactly what you said. It's like a zany Star Trek sort of thing. Yeah, Futurama. I guess you could say too. It's definitely in that oh, yeah, in that true. style. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of Legends and Feelings games tend to be comedic in some way. Um, yes. I have seen a few online played very seriously, which was really also, also, yes, it, kind of strange, but f fun in its own way. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. It, it. Rick Bud um, as a GM um, who runs mm -hmm. uh, Tempting Fate. Uh, it's a it's an actual play uh, show mm -hmm. on Twitch, and for a long time they were playing um, nothing but lasers and feelings hacks uh, and. Uh, their own that they made for for playing um, all kinds of different settings and situations and um, that inspired other people to make them and so they, they started this database there's like 150 of them or something now uh, superheroes and oh, pulp wow. adventure and fast and furious and um, in, in any any genre type thing you want and if you like lasers and feelings mechanics you can find a, a hack of it for that for that thing yeah, and people wow. have uh, kept up the tradition they've kept them single page for the most part or little pamphlet games. And um, I just revised the licensing. I, I mm -hmm. put an old Creative Commons license on it without thinking about it years ago, uh, but it may, meant that people couldn't sell their their hacks. So I just revised it in the last couple of years so that uh, it's it's still free for everyone. But if you make a, a Lasers and Feelings hack, you can, you can sell it. You're, you know, you're not, uh, oh, doesn't, great. Have be, doesn't also have to be free. Okay, and you can pick up the original. I just put the um, the link in the stream here. So it's johnharper.itch.io forward slash lasers and dash feelings there. Uh, is it itch.io? Am I saying that right? I'm always worried yep. it was... Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I'm always worried I'd say that say, right. I've heard people say itch.io. I don't... I, yeah, I, that's what I heard. And I was like, yeah. is that what the correct cool kids do? I don't know. I don't know. Gosh. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, as long as we consistently say it the same and are confident, it'll be fine. It'll be absolutely <laughs> fine. Okay. Um. So talking, I mean, maybe just in general for this question, but also specifically about lasers and feelings, like where do you find inspiration when you're designing, like for the settings, graphic mechanics, and and yeah, so what's your inspiration sources for those? I I'm definitely a uh, uh, hi Allison. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, do you know uh, Allison? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I'm a big consumer of media. Um, I try to, you know, always have stuff going. Books and I watch a lot of television shows and and films and um, try to stay current on um, sort of book design, cover design, post movie poster design. Um, and then, of course, in the industry too, uh, role play um, graphics and, and presentations mm -hmm. that aren't books. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I, I try to just stay immersed in in as much diverse media as I can. Um, and then when I'm working on a particular project, I kind of switch gears usually and try to um, uh, really focus. Uh, on a particular thing. If I, I'm working on this thing now that, that yeah. kind of wants to be a sixties pop inspired, um, 
spy genre kind of thing. Uh, so I've got all my tabs open and now I'm just pretty much focusing on looking at old James Bond covers and magazines and that kind of stuff. Um, just to get it all into my head. So I feel like I have a toolbox, um, to start, to start using, um, references. Cause I think for me, for role-playing for me in general with role-playing, mm-hmm. um, and with design, if I, I feel like it's much more a work of, uh, remixing and repurposing. Uh, there are some okay. cases where you're going to find this unique mechanic. Uh, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, every time I've thought that, uh, I've been able to find it somewhere else. Um, and there's just so much cross pollination. Um, and I think that's a really good thing. I think it's good in, you know, it happens in, in fine arts and in, in pop culture yeah. arts. Um, yeah, definitely. I think what well, they say, there's no such thing as an original idea anymore. So. Yeah, I, I think I think sometimes new creators are will stress about that too much and feel like oh I, everything's been done or oh I have to be so unique and um, I think you can find your voice just like everyone has before you. They, they, everyone is has been influenced by other people throughout history. So uh, finding the ways to take those ideas, mix them together in a mm-hmm. new way that's yours, and having just a point of view I think is often a really powerful thing too. Um, yeah having an insight into something that maybe is, is your insight um, is, is a very hugely valuable because um, it might yeah. it, it'll connect with someone who felt maybe like they, they didn't have uh, a hook into the hobby and you, yeah. you show them this angle of it and they go, Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, now I feel welcome there or now I feel confident to play it myself or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that speaks to diversity in the industry and why that growing is, is a better thing because it gives yeah. us different angles and voices and you can have the same story, but told from someone else's perspective is, is totally different. Um, so it sounds like in the comments, there's other people agreeing with you saying that, yeah, they're listening to audiobooks or watching TV shows and they get an idea and they have to put it down and suddenly <laughs> do things and, and people saying with podcasts. So it seems like everyone's kind of relating um, to what you're saying uh, about that. Um, someone has a question as well about, do you think that rules like games like lasers and feelings enables player creativity more because uh, the rules are kind of out the way? Or do you think that it hampers it a little bit because, you know, there's not enough world building to inspire the creativity? Mm. Um, I, I think people are, there. there's a too broad a spectrum there for, you know, um, some people, yes, some people no. Uh, so for someone who needs a lot of lore and world building to get into mm-hmm. a game, Lasers and feelings is not a good choice. Um, and yeah. for someone who feels intimidated by a bunch of lore and stuff, then it, it is a good choice. But I, I don't think there's such a thing as like a standard unit of human um, that you can design for. You're oh, always gosh. gonna like uh, pick your audience essentially when you when you do any creative work, mm-hmm. um, and that audience might change uh, throughout the process of design or might grow after the fact or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I think it's useful to think of uh, uh, the more specific kind of targets um, yeah. for what you're trying to do with the project rather than trying to make something that's going to magically sort of appeal to everyone. Um, yeah, nothing's going to appeal to everyone. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially and, if you're selling it on the internet. So. <laughs> yeah, especially. <laughs> especially. And, and that's and that's cool. Like like you were saying, diversity is, is good. Uh, mm-hmm. And having having a broader spectrum and then more stuff in each part of that spectrum. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's broad and deep is, is great. And I feel like compared to uh, when I started uh, gaming, like it's a kind of golden age. Now it feels like yeah, any kind of interest uh, that you have in terms of your sort of um, preferred uh, uh, fictional stuff yeah. um, can be served by, by an RPG. Um, 100%. And also like, give you space to create in that space. I think arguably that's one of the main um, activities of role play is, is creating fiction. And yeah. we don't think of ourselves as writers per se, but I think a role play game group is functionally like a TV writer room um, making, yeah. making a show. Like that's, that is what you're doing. Uh, you're not it's, necessarily making it for yeah. an audience, but um you're creating it's, fiction together. Definitely. It's collaborative storytelling. So we're yeah. there to tell a cool story, which is why you can't really win or lose a role-playing game, I think, because as long as the story is cool and everyone's having fun, that's the point. 
Yeah, I think getting everyone on the same page, um, like this question is asking kind of is part of that, you know, yeah. um, by by showing this this one sheet with basically nothing on it, if if half of the people at the table kind of go, is that it? I don't know. This doesn't seem like enough. <laughs> then you, yeah. you know right away, like, well, this maybe is not the right choice for us. Or you plonk down the 500 page book and uh, the other half of the group goes, that looks intimidating. Yeah, um, that's definitely great. in the great to group. find those. The, the a, a way to kind of get on the same page and have a, a baseline for a discussion. Definitely. Um, the next thing it, we always uh, would joke about this, how um, uh, some game groups there, it, it can be so contentious among the group oh, really? like <laughs> picking, picking a game to play or uh, you know, their tastes in games. And they kind of then expect that the gameplay itself won't be contentious that the, they'll, that once they figure that out, everything will be fine. And, I always thought, you know, if you're having so much trouble just picking a, a game together, maybe yeah. collaborative uh, stuff is not right for this mix of people. Maybe you should have a different group <laughs> to play with. I mean, yeah, that's true. Because at the end of the day, like you say, it's it's all social collaborative storytelling. And so if, if you're not gelling socially as a group, yeah, maybe not. Which doesn't maybe. mean there's anything, like you said, there's nothing wrong with it. And it doesn't mean no. that you're role playing it's just a completely different style it's um, kind of like uh you know making a band or something you know you you there's that's a cool way to look at it yeah <laughs> I, I i like that analogy because i i think yeah. you know if people people who played in bands will know that like often it doesn't work out and you know you play together for a while and maybe you don't gel and maybe you want different things out of it and so you find a new drummer or whatever and you <laughs> try again and um yeah i think that's totally fine it's it's uh I don't think there needs to be any expectation of, of ongoing yeah. forever play with this same people forever and ever or sticking to one thing all for, oh, really? throughout your whole gaming life. I expect that from my gaming group. We've been <laughs> running for four years now. And oh, I think nice. some of them are in the comments. So yes, I do expect that to go on forever <laughs> if you're not. <laughs> so don't listen to John. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, cool. Hopefully we answered that question. Um, so you were talking earlier that there's loads of different hacks of lasers and feelings. Um, do you have a favorite one? Oh, a favorite hack. Mm. Well, I guess, yeah, technically. Well, hmm, it's hard to say. Uh, do you want to pick a few instead of just one? Will that make, it, will <laughs> that make you feel yeah. be easier? I'm asking you to pick your favorite child, live on air. Go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, well, I feel like now... I, I, I almost want to go through and catch up because I feel like I haven't even seen the most recent, you know, okay. 30 or whatever. Uh, the most recent but, 30. Wow. <laughs> they just, they just keep popping up. But, but okay. the one that made me really happy was, I think it was fairly early in the days of, of the mm -hmm. tempting fate show. Um, uh, Rick and the group did a fast and furious hack, which I'm a huge fan of that franchise. It's, okay. it's, it's ridiculous over the top fun and uh it suits the lasers and feelings idea really well and yes um, they they uh hacked the mechanics a little bit so there was this kind of like idea of family that was really important and um uh helping each other became more of a focused uh spotlighted mechanic so yeah um yeah that that was that was I, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it was it was a delight uh since I'm such a big it fan spoke of spoke to you for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Well, there we go. Fast and Furious. So Plus, if the name fits the format, you know, Lasers and Feelings, Fast and Furious. It just, just goes that together. Does. <laughs> that does very well. Um, so we're going back to uh, going back to Lady Blackbird, actually, now, which I'll jump back to. We can switch between games. It's fine. Um, so they were talking about um, they've been running games to their group for the last 10 years. And Lady Blackbird's the one they've always talked about with really good memories, like a lot of people do. Love the setting. Do you ever think about building more around the keys and tags system? Yeah, it it is it is something that I that I think I probably will go back to. Um, mm -hmm. My my friend Clinton wrote a game called um, uh, The Shadow of Yesterday, which introduced um, getting XP in the way that uh, or and, and, the, and the name keys for XP um, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the idea that you you have a sort of trigger a, a particular trigger that gives you XP. You don't just sort of get XP at the end of the session or when you okay. complete uh, uh, a milestone uh, or something, yeah, yeah, in 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 Shadow of Yesterday and and Lady Blackbird, each character has their own unique set of keys um, that they get XP for. So someone might get XP for being a very daring uh, adventurer, jumping into danger without thinking twice, and someone else might get XP for 
having this unrequited love that they don't want anyone to find out about and um, they can all be different. Uh, but then you have this, this uh, buy-off ability where you can say, okay, I'm not gonna have this key anymore. I'm gonna expose my love. I'm gonna tell them I love them. This unrequited love key is gone. Um, you get a big uh, bunch of XP and then you change that, that key to something new. Um, so it's a way of kind of signaling to the player since they're pre-gen characters, especially mm -hmm. um, when you pick that character up, you can kind of look at their keys and kind of get what their deal is um, and sort of the direction they're, they're pointed. Um, it lets the, the maker kind of create interesting dynamics across the characters because you can point their keys mm -hmm. at each other. So the players are naturally going to be in conflict here or in an agreement here. Um, and then because of the buy-offs, uh, uh, players, I, I found like they really love, some some players uh, love to look at their keys and go, okay, I need to do all these things. And some players look at them and go, ah, burn it all down. I'm not going to be like that. I'm <laughs> doing it's, none it's, of this. It's empowering to be like, no, I won't do what you tell me to do. What a rebel. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that that that's another fun, fun aspect. And yeah, Blades in the Dark kind of has a key-like, uh, XP mechanic in it as well. That different okay. character types get XP depending. Um, one character might get XP because they're a big, tough, intimidating person that that throws their weight around, and someone might else might get mm -hmm. XP for being sneaky and and uh, uh, underhanded and stuff like that. So it's it's a a version of the keys um, are in Blades, um, uh, and then the tag system uh, is another one that I think it helps uh, new role players to some degree. Um, oh, yeah your character sheet is mostly words. It's almost entirely words. Uh, okay. So you don't have a uh, five in stealth and a three in fighting or whatever. Um, instead, you have all these particular words. Uh, you might have sorcerer as one of your tags. And then underneath that, you might have uh, air magic and mastery and uh, uh, apprentice because you were an apprentice now you're a master of air sorcery. So those four things mean you roll four dice when you do your do your air magic. Um, but you might also grab stuff from your sheet. You might have different tags in different places, um, and over time you can you can hook new tags onto what you already have and expand your repertoire and expand your dice. And um, it's it's a way of kind of keeping it in this. Uh, story fiction space instead of the kind of accountancy yes um, not too num number, number tracking yeah yeah um, so which, less which again can, yeah it can be intimidating for some people it can be very appealing for some people to see a, a grid mm -hmm. of squares and know i have a five foot step and you know that's that's yes. a fine way to approach things too but um, we already have a lot of those games, so uh, yeah. <laughs> Lady, Lady Blackbird went for the uh, the other way, the for the for the English majors, I guess. It's just all words and, and poetry. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I like that. Well, I'm terrible at maths, so um, on a character sheet, when I have to add up and you know add this and that, that's the bit I hate the most. So having something that's related to words and stuff, and also I feel like it's something you, it's as much as you can get away with and convince the GM that fits. <laughs> yeah, that's another. That. <laughs> there is yeah. some of that. I, I, yeah. I, it's, it's definitely something I'm passionate about. Is um, mm -hmm. getting rid of uh, GMs as as babysitters and nannies um, that are trying okay. to like take care of a group and make sure. Oh no, you're not allowed to do that. You're only allowed to do this. And mm -hmm. I, I, I'm trying to destroy that in the hobby as much as I can. <laughs> um, and instead, say, hey, we're all we're in this together. This is a collaboration. Um, we have different responsibilities. I, as a GM, I have certain responsibilities. Yeah. And as a player, you have certain responsibilities. But mm -hmm. I'm not the boss of the group. I don't get final say. Um, I, I, I'm not making sure you behave. Uh, like no, I don't want any of those kind of behaviors um, when I play. So I try to bake that kind of stuff into my games and say, hey, players, you know, put has, use whatever tags you want. Um, yeah. And like someone might say, well, that's if they can abuse that. What if they say I use all of them? Like... Well, that's just how it is. Like you're, 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 you're not there to tell them no, and they're not there to uh, run roughshod over the game, right? Yeah. You're, we're we're doing this together. Picking my tags in Lady Blackbird is a way for me to contribute to the fiction mm -hmm. by saying these words about my character that they're impatient and that they're 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 rash and they're reckless, and mm -hmm. I, I have all these words that say the same thing, and then I'm showing you like how how much 
I'm, how I'm, intense that trait is. Yeah. Portraying my character when I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not just there as a player to roll up higher, bigger and bigger numbers. That's not why, that's not why I'm at the table. So yeah. um, I, 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 there's things in Blades in the Dark. People always say like, not people, uh, very few people, but some people react to the game and say, uh, well, the players just get to say when they activate their XP triggers and they, they just decide that they get XP for something. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like it, it feels so unbelievable to some, to some people who encounter the game because yeah. I think they're used to that mode where the GM is there to mm-hmm. corral everyone. And it's this rambunctious group of, of goblins that are like, ah, we're going to set fire to the world. And the GM stops and goes, no, 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 you're not allowed. It's your bedtime. Well, uh, and, yeah, yeah. And I'm fair enough, there are some groups that are like that, I'd imagine, that do need to be told. But then there's there's other groups that don't. And I think, yeah, I think in the comments, you've got Needy Cat Games again saying that reframing the GM as the player is one of their favorite shifts in tabletop RPG design, which is so different from where it started. Because like, like you were saying, it's very parent-child, uh, kind of what you was talking about before, whereas yeah. before it's more, more way more collaborative. Um, yeah, in our new game, Sean Nittner and I, we have a game mm-hmm. uh, called Agon, um, and um, yeah. it's about these sort of heroic uh, adventures um, in the Greek myth style, kind of traveling around different islands and fighting monsters mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, and we wanted to write a, a chapter um, for new GMs, um, and that ultimately turned into calling it a, a strife, the strife player, the player who's in charge of strife for the heroes. So you have hero players and strife players. Um, rather than calling it a GM, which mm-hmm. is a little bit of a gimmick, but at the end of the day, it made that writing process much more clear because we could just say, when you're a player, I, any type of player, mm-hmm. you do these things. And when you're a hero player, you have these additional things. And when you're a strike player, you have these additional things. Oh, okay. um, and it just flattens all of that out so the book can just talk about players yeah. and without ever having to say, you know, the players and the GM or only the GM or all yeah. that kind of language, which can kind of get murky yeah. in, its, in its own way and and also create those kind of parent-child things too. Which yeah, it's a small to... change in language, but I think small things like that can make a really big difference in the way you say things. So that, that does make a lot of sense. Um, we've talked a lot about a lot of your different games, uh, but we have a question of what has been your favorite game to design thus far? Because obviously you probably have many more games and stories with you. But as <laughs> yeah, of today, as of the 28th of March, what's your favorite been to design thus far? Um, that's tough. That's a tough question. Uh, they've all they've all been really a lot of fun. I love mm-hmm. the process of design. Um, turning them into books and uh, hitting deadlines and doing edits is not as fun, but the design part is really fun. <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, I imagine for you actually seeing as that's that's what you do as well. So. Yeah, I would say uh, the the last one was great. Agon, that process was amazing. Uh, working mm-hmm. with Sean, um, we've worked together for a long time. We're, we're dear friends, but um, we ended up collaborating 50-50, um, co-authoring that book together. And um that was just, it was great. It was awesome to work with, with him and um, the process of, of crafting that game into its f- final form was also really fun. We just, we played a lot of it. Uh, and that was, that was great fun to do just, just for fun. Um, but it was also, uh, I felt like my play testing uh, skills had leveled up a bit because um, the, the blades yeah. process had a really good outcome, but mm-hmm. it took a really long time to how, refine. How long was that? It was two years in house and then about two years public, uh, play wow. testing, um, which is, you know, that's kind of long, uh, but it yeah. needed it. It needed that much, um, sort of revision and, and work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the agon process was also very fruitful and got us to where we needed to get, but it was a tighter process. And, um, just how really long, how long was that um start to finish that project was 18 months i think oh wow that's a lot less from four years to 18 months is yeah it was i think two ish two ish years for the you know getting it to into print and everything yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah something like that uh um, yeah and it, it, it had the benefit of being a second edition of an older game of mine from from 
the okay. early 2000s. Uh, yeah. But we ended up throwing all of that out. <laughs> we didn't use a single word. All on the cutting room floor. Just threw all, the whole all, thing out. Yeah. So it, it ended up being a new game, but. Um, it sounds yeah. like it's the better for it, and you're very happy with it. Though. It was great um, fun to to make, and uh, making the art too. I really enjoyed making the art for that yeah. game. It was it was uh, my favorite art process so far, for sure. Amazing. Well, we're coming up to the topic of the week um, with only like five minutes left, as I always do every week. <laughs> Apologies. I was, I guess, I said before the start of John, I was like, I always panic. We're going to run out of things to say, and then it's like five minutes till the end. But um, so the topic this week is uh, welcoming new people to the hobby. So we're all nerds here, I, I presume. Everyone in the comments, yes, nerds. Um, and we love tabletop role playing games, and we kind of want to share them with other people. So I didn't know, uh, John, if you had any kind of things you do or suggestions, hints and tips to kind of welcome new people to the hobby. Yeah, I, I touched on it a little bit. I think um, mm -hmm. if you have the opportunity to know the person ahead of time, it's not a convention pickup game or something. Uh, sure. Maybe they're a friend or, or whatever. Um, I think it, it works well to uh, talk to them about it ahead of time, gauge their interest uh, and maybe, you know, find out what they're into uh, what type, types of shows they like to watch or books they read or whatever. Um, I, because it, for a new player, often um, the game system is, it, it might be an impediment, but if it's mm -hmm. not, it probably will just be sort of invisible to them. They won't necessarily care yeah. about that very much. Um, I'm still kind of the same on that, to be honest, even though yeah. I've been playing for a decade. <laughs> I'm like, what's the setting? What's the story? What are we doing? We'll do some mechanical. Sure, sure. Yeah. But what are we playing? If the setting and the situation hook them, then that's going to hook yeah. them. Uh, it, ha ha having okay. a cool, cool combat mechanic might, it might hook. If someone's mm -hmm. a really like tactical board game type, they might really you know, yeah. be attracted to that. But um, in my experience, when you're starting out, finding out what they love, if they really love Star Wars, mm -hmm. play play Star Wars uh, and, and they'll, they'll naturally be more, be more into it. Yeah. Um, but also I think uh, having a very light touch in terms of commitment or time or whatever, like yeah. one, do it once and make it really short, play for like an hour or something um, and just let it be what it is. And if they're like, no, let's keep going. Uh, can we play next week? You know, then, then you, but it, it, it's, it's terrible, you know, that feeling when, when someone's so excited about something and they just go mm. on and on about it and it just becomes this whole thing and everyone's sort of politely like, okay, yeah, sure, sure. Um, I think, I think it's much better to have that fiery, like teaser yeah. kind of thing. And then if, if they're interested after that, then you can carry on forward. And there are some yeah. games, Lasers Feelings and, and many others, but uh, yeah. that are made to have to do that, to just have something really light. Um, and, yeah. you know, whatever your favorite game is, someone may have made a, a module or something like that. That's a kind yeah. of um, uh, tasting menu version of the of the game. Of the game um, you like. But yeah, I keep it keep it really short um, and try to try to play to that person's interests. Uh, be my main, two main pieces of advice. That's pretty great advice. Well, for me, my I always go for somebody new. I, I recommend a rules light system as well. And um, the great thing about your games as well is it's um, on the site, which I'll put up again. Um, is it's it's you've chosen to do it as like a pay pay what you feel type situation. Yeah, for Lasers and Feelings uh, and a couple others, um, mm -hmm. they're they're essentially free free games, um, and they'll they'll just stay that way. I think it's it's appropriate for for some of them to be like that. Um, yeah. And there's just kind of a generally open community copy policy with me too. Okay. Uh, I add community copies um, for all my games regularly. They tend to kind of zip away, but um, if anyone wants one, uh, feel free to, to DM me or whatever, and I'm, I'm happy to provide those for people, um, Excellent. especially um, if you're just starting out in the hobby. Awesome. Uh, so you can reach John uh, on Twitter, uh, John ha underscore Harper, which is a very straightforward username, which is very nice. <laughs> JohnHarper.itch.io for all the other games as well. So if you want to get in touch for that, that would be great. Uh, we have another question here, which is a question I do ask every week, but somebody in the comments beat me to it, which is what games are you playing, John, lately that you didn't create yourself? Uh, hi, Craig. Um... <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh... Uh, so yeah, I, I have been into, uh, there's a, a few games I want to mention that I haven't been playing lately, but I'm very excited about, uh, yeah, and, sure. and some I have been playing. Um, uh, there's a, uh, 
group called Story Brewers, um, Haley and V in Australia, who are making really interesting, cool uh, games right now. They fight with spirit. I think the Kickstarter ended a little mm -hmm. while ago. It's a school sports um, game where you like might be the volleyball team or whatever, and you do have matches and you have personal dramas between between matches and mm -hmm. uh, high school drama game. It looks really cool. Uh, and they're making these um, little box games. These are little uh, RPGs in a box with cards. Um, oh, that's cool. Each with its own little setting, supernatural uh, stuff or slice of life. Um, they've got a few more coming out recently. Um, Alice is Missing, which you may have heard of. Yes, um, Alice is Missing, yes. Incredible game. Um, Spencer Stark uh, played uh, with text messages um, on your phone. Mm -hmm. um, really, really interesting stuff. Great for the uh, pandemic. That really, yeah. that was its time to shine, really, because it was designed mm -hmm. for that sort of separateness that that time had. Yeah, very smart in that, in that regard. Um, and then... Uh, uh, what was I thinking of? Um, Apocalypse Keys, which is which is uh, Evil Hats publishing it, um, mm -hmm. coming out uh, maybe this year. I can't remember what their schedule is. Don't hold me to that. But um, at some point coming out, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a Ray, Ray's game about uh, it's like Hellboy, uh, like playing the members of the BPRD, like um, monsters who fight monsters. Uh, I can see uh, Hellboy behind you in the background. That's so that makes sense. Oh yeah, I'm a like, yeah I can see it just behind <laughs> your chair. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. this makes sense. This is why I'm vibing with that. That's it's cool. super cool. And Ray, Ray's an awesome mm -hmm. designer. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but something I've gotten into uh, during during quarantine in particular is uh, solo RPGs, which I hadn't really been into at all. Oh, really? I haven't um, got into them at all either. What's... I am just so impressed. There's so many cool ones. Um, Allison, who was in our chat a little while ago, uh, mm -hmm. she has one called Gentleman Bandit, um, mm -hmm. where you play a, a sort of highwayman uh, uh, scoundrel ne'er-do-well, and um, by playing the game and doing your, your mm -hmm. uh, dark business, you... Um, write a, a ballad, uh, like an actual poem through the process of playing your solo game, you end up with this 13 line poem. Um, so it's like doing double duty. If you're never played a role playing game before, and you're intimidated, it's easy to play. And if you're not a poet and feel like you can't write poetry, you can you can do it and you, you turn you no turn one has out, to know, end up with a poem. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to show it to anyone if you don't want to. But um, oh, that's really cool. That one's really cool. Uh, Dead Belt um, by Navi and Sean Drake. Uh, is a kind of firefly-ish um, setting where you're um, this kind of space cowboy um, scavenging uh, old wrecks. Um, and uh, they're coming out with a two-player version, a co-op version um, soon, I think, but it's a it's a solo game. Um, yeah, it, there's so many out on, on especially on itch right now. Um, mm -hmm. And I just never thought, I, I just wasn't really interested uh, it was always a social thing for me, um, Same, yeah. that collaborative thing. And there's so much to do in the solo space that it feels it, it's, it's different. It's not, you know, obviously you're not having that conversation with the other players and building stuff sure. together, but it, the, the way that it, um, the systems of role play can, uh, mm -hmm. be used in a solo fashion. It's always, whenever I finish playing one and they're usually really short, like a few hours, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at the most um i just feel so much uh inspiration uh after, when yeah. i'm done with it, it like really charges my creative batteries and um i can see it uh being a, a good tool for for all types of role players um yeah I, I tend to think of gms and um as a gm it's whenever i do one of these i'm like oh now i want to run a a game about highway robbers who write poems you know <laughs> and like I, now i want to run a game of the uh the space cowboy you know salvagers and that's awesome um, yeah so really. so interesting hearing you say because it's not something i i've ever really thought thought to do um and we've got people saying as well like dead belt is a, a good solo rpg i think you kind of sold it to me there i'm kind of like maybe i need to try this i would check I it out yeah i think that's a perfect one to start with uh yeah okay well i've got some great recommendations there so thanks john for sharing all those games with us we are yeah. past the top of the hour gasp over the hour long so i'm gonna wrap us up here so if you have any last burning questions you can get answered now is the time whilst i do my spiel at the end um so thanks very much everyone coming to the live stream thank you john for coming up and, and giving up your time to talk about games with us um, if you uh, enjoy uh, the show but you can't catch it, no worries. It's now um, a podcast. Uh, so um, 
notdnd.podbean.com. All the previous episodes are there as well, and you can catch it again. So if you want to listen to it again, because you had so much fun, you can. Uh, we also have our other uh, shows as well. Uh, this Week in Tabletop RPG that comes out on Friday is also in our podcast as well. So if you want to get the Tabletop RPG news in three minutes, you can watch it by video or by podcast. Um, got some burning questions just appearing. Uh, no, no, no questions. Just people saying uh, thank you very much for the stream. They enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to the next one. So thanks very much, John. People seem to enjoy it. Um, yes, you. if you want to, oh, good. <laughs> That's always good. <laughs> Eases my anxiety. Uh, but if you enjoyed the show and you do want to come back next week, we are talking about to Andrew Peregrine about Dune, which I can never pronounce. Is it like Dune, June, Dune. <laughs> you know, with the spice. I always feel whenever I say it, everyone goes, "What?" So I'm convinced <laughs> I'm saying it wrong. But Dune, you can mm-hmm. say it, John. So everyone knows. Yeah. Uh, Dune. I'll say it in oh, my is that how we say flat it? American okay. accent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is like, but every time, whenever I say it, they're like, "What?" But anyway, so the Dune RPG. We're talking to Andrew Peregrine about that next week. So um, pop back and uh, speak to us about it then. And um, other than that, I'm going to say goodbye to everybody and thank you very much, John. All right. Thank thanks you. very much. Bye. All right.